Welcome to Three Women, Three Ways. I'm your host, Heather Stark, and with me I have Caitlin Vinterton, and we're going to talk politics, but not in the way that you think. We're going to talk about women in politics and women running for elected office. Welcome very much, Caitlin. Thank you for coming to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Caitlin, you're with an organization called, I guess it's a national organization, but you happen to be with the group that's in my state, Washington, um, and it's called League of Our Own. And I have to tell you that when you Google League of Our Own, you get 80 million references to the movie, League of Their Own. <laughs> yes. That must be frustrating. <laughs> um, so um, why, why that particular name? because it's a baseball reference, but we're talking politics. So why that name? And how did you get involved with that organization? Yes, so exactly right. It is a baseball reference, specifically referencing that wonderful, wonderful movie about women playing baseball. Um, so League of Our Own Washington, is that's our organization. Um, it also, League of Our Own does exist in Michigan. We are, we licensed all of their branding and their system, but we're technically our own organization as League of Our Own Washington, although they're hoping to grow bigger. And so League in Michigan was originally founded by a political consultant. And she had a friend who was a part owner of a professional baseball team. And they were at a game, actually a World Series game. And the owner of the baseball team was lamenting, why aren't there more women, and especially more women who align with us philosophically in terms of our view of government and its role running for office? And the political consultant friend said, well, how much time do you have? I can give you about a million reasons why women aren't running for office. And they talked about this a little bit. And this owner of the baseball team said, well, what if we recruited political talent, women political talent, the same way that we recruit baseball talent. So she said, well, the political consultant friend said, so well, tell me how you do that. Now I'll tell you if there's any chance that it translates. And she said, well, we've got scouts all over, just constantly looking for talent for someone who shows potential. So even a little, uh, a little nugget of talent that could grow into something more. If you've got scouts in every corner looking for talent, that's called a prospect, the person who is the player who's brought into the organization. Then they are assessed. What are their strengths and weaknesses? And where are areas that they need specific help improving for those areas? They assign them a coach, a coach that builds up that particular skill. And at the end of the day, they are, if everything goes according to the plan, ready for the big leagues, or in our case, that would be running for office. So if you look on our website, that's exactly what you'll see. You'll see those different roles, the prospects, scouts, coaches, and then we've got fans. I say fans are people who just didn't want to sign up to be a scout uh, or a coach or a prospect, but are still fully committed to helping these women run for office. So our prospects are women. Our fans and scouts and coaches are all men and women, people who are just looking to support the cause. So that is where the organization started. And then a group of concerned- When, when how long has this been in existence? So this has just been right coming up just on a year. December, 2020 was our launch. Mm -hmm. And so that is when it was officially launched in Washington state. 
and it has just been a really crazy year. It's grown like crazy, but it started with just concerned citizens getting together saying, how do we get more women involved in politics? And that's where they did this nationwide search, found League in Michigan and licensed it to operate here in Washington state. So that's how it was. Uh, that's how it came to be here in our state today. So how many people are involved? You mentioned that the, the coaches and the fans and uh, that those you draw from um, everyone for that, but for the, for the prospects, you're specifically hoping to help women. You're specifically targeting women as the prospects. And from the website, you know, I, a, a, a statement from the website really spoke to me. 51% of the American population is female, but 31% of our elected officials are female. That's quite a gap. And um, you we kind of laughed when you said I could give you a million reasons why that is. But let's talk about some of those reasons. I mean, I can having had one single experience of running for office myself, it was a local school board, which was vicious. It was a horrible experience. I would never do it again. However, I wouldn't mind helping other people do it. But for me, it was just nasty and I wasn't prepared. Uh, for that nastiness at all. Um, and uh, I ran against an incumbent and I lost the election by, I think it was three points. So I, I actually considered, since since I my entire campaign fund was $200, I, I figured I counted it as a victory, but I wasn't prepared. Um, most of these people who were running for school board were, were seeing it as a jumping off point for a political career, a lifetime career. They mm -hmm. weren't uh, looking at it as I did, which is I'm a mom of kids in the school district. I have some ideas and I think that the um, parents need better representation. Uh, that was my thought philosophy. And right. little did I know that I was entering big time political territory, you know, and just didn't have the support for it, didn't, wasn't prepared for it, gobsmacked by it. Right. So I would never do it again. That was a nasty experience. And um, so how does my experience compare with other women's experiences? Because quite honestly, if somebody came to me and said, hey, Heather, why don't you run for office again? I'd go, I'd go screaming the other direction. Right, right. And that is so many women feel that way. And we could start at the very beginning for where that even starts, which we actually just posted a new study on our, our Facebook page. And we also tweeted it that it was about little girls and what they dream of when they want to what they want to be when they grow up and very very few say president or other political aspirations so you could start way back there but let's just talk about exactly what you're talking about which is saying you have a heart for something you've got kids in the district and you think school board sounds good and and you should be able to run for school board that should be attainable but so often women put up barriers some of those are barriers we put up for ourselves, but some of them are certainly societal barriers to say that's impossible or it's too much. The task is too great. A lot of women tell me, well, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified. And so let's look at a school board race and I'll say, okay, well, tell me about yourself. Well, she's got five kids in the district. It's, and she says, well, don't you think I need this or that? Maybe a certain type of education. Um, I'm not a teacher. And I said, there are teachers and they are teachers. You're a parent and, and you are qualified and you are smart and you have a really good sense for what could improve in the district, but they put up barriers. So what we're trying to do is say, here are long before it's even time to run, 
here are some tools and resources. Here's just the basics of a campaign because we, you know, we don't even want, we being the people of Washington State, and I would argue any community, we don't want professional politicians. We want just someone who has a heart for change. We don't want someone that can tell you all about the nuts and bolts of a political campaign and has all the right things to say. We just want people who are genuine and who care. So we say, let us give you some basics where you feel equipped to run a campaign. Let us also connect you with people who are like-minded, um, maybe other moms who have ran, who said, here's how I did it. Here's how I balance family and give them this whole support network. And then when it's time to run, they can, they feel comfortable saying, okay, I agree. I think this is my time and I think I'm equipped to do it. And something you said that really spoke to me, because I know so many women who have had that experience, they did it. They went out on a limb and they ran and they had such a terrible experience, whether it was being unprepared or surprised by how vicious it was, like you mentioned, and they do it once and they say never again, where we want, if someone runs and doesn't win a, a small budget and a three point race, that's close, that's a sign of a great candidate. And we want them to say, I did that. I felt like I learned a lot. I would tweak some things and be and think about a run for future office rather than walk away from politics forever. So really in your short story there, you touched on so many of the issues that we are trying to address at League of Our Own to make a political running for public office more attainable for women. I was speaking with um, some women who also had an organization because there are several organizations that try, are trying uh, that are cropping up right now trying to help women get in the game, if you will, to, to continue with your baseball analogy. Um, and I, I was speaking with one of those women and she said that um, what they try to do for um, the people who are members, you know, or, or who are going through their training, is that they try to prepare them um, and help them make connections. They also seem to feel, um, and uh, and I'm here to say, you know, in full disclosure, you know, I'm probably the world's oldest living feminist here. I mean, I was right there and I still believe in it, although um, it has the, the whole movement has taken on aspects that I didn't necessarily um, you know, embrace as a younger person, um, and that's fine. But I mean, I'm I'm absolutely behind women having every absolutely every opportunity that and equal opportunities and all that kind of stuff. And and I disparage people who don't feel that way. But I don't think that um, necessarily that that's the excuse for everything. I don't think that the big evil white um, majority a male majority, the patriarchy. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I have my own bones to pick with that, but I don't think that it's the be all and the end all and the the, the cause, the reason for everything. Um, and I was getting a very strong message that a male patriarchy, male patriarchy, you know, and I thought, you know, like, come on, let, let that go and let's move on. Do you see it as very much of a male patriarchy thing and women are having to lift up the banner and fight against that? Or do you see it as that used to be that way and it isn't so much anymore, there's other battles or how do you see that and that whole you know, male patriarchy? The the way that I see it is it's, it's complex. I think there's a lot of layers. I mentioned before all of these reasons why women might not run starting as a, a little girl who doesn't view women as being these public figures. 
And I think we have to be real that there are, there are some realities. It's a male dominated field. And I think it can be easy to assign blame. And as you talked about trying to, to tear things down, where our focus is really to build up, to say, there's a reality for whatever reason it is, politics is a male dominated field. And so let's just start, start making those changes bit by bit. I know that I have been really, really happy and inspired to see all of these people who I've known through politics who maybe um, have, have played a role in other races or have held political office themselves, uh, men and women who are saying, this is amazing. We need more women. What can I do to help? So I think that that is it's really telling that you do have these men who have hold, held or currently hold public office and they're saying, I want on board. Absolutely. I want, we need more women running for office. So I really don't see it as an us versus them because also we're not trying to say, well, we need 100% women. We're saying, let's just get some parity in our, in our um, government, both at local state and national level. Let's work on gender parity. And there are studies too that show that the general public view women as just as capable of running for office. So it's really, when they're on the ballot, women do pretty well. When they step up and run, there are some good track records there. And the reality is they're not running. And I think it's a combination of barriers that have been built up through a long history of men dominating politics. And I think some of those are also barriers that we put up for ourselves saying, well, I'm a mom and my family needs me and even or a working professional, but even a stay at home mom says my family relies on me. They've always been there for them. And so I think it's this really interesting combination of just cultural norms and also uh, these, these barriers that we put up mentally saying that just can't be a reality for me when it really can be. Yeah. And I see that. I can see that a lot. Um, but tell me how you got into this. We, we kind of zipped over that question. So how not necessarily mechanically did you get into this or physically did you get into this? But do you have you run for office? Have you what? Why do you have interests in this area? Yeah, so I have always been politically interested, or I should say from when I went to college, I started getting interested in politics. I was a political science major at Central Washington University, and especially being in the political realm for work over the last uh, nine years or so, I really became interested in what, what role are women playing in this political sphere. And I found also that I was really welcomed with open arms and this professional experience with it, and that I always felt so welcomed and I wanted other women to feel that same way. And so when this opportunity came along, it seemed like a perfect fit. I should also mention, I am a mom. I have a six-year-old son. And when they were talking about what this job could look like and helping other women run, women who are also parents who um, are trying to navigate this, I thought, gosh, we could, I could really relate to those women and help them navigate it and also connect them with people that I already knew through politics who have walked in those shoes. And it, it's really just this opportunity, me working here, but just for this organization, what we do is we build bridges. I don't have all the answers, but I am in this really, really honored position to put 
women who are thinking maybe they want to run for office today or down the road, five years, even 10 years, and connect them with people who can help them build up their skill sets and relate to them and give them this camaraderie that they really don't have access to otherwise. I think we used to call it a network, you know, that if you didn't have that network, if you didn't know people who knew people and you were just trying to do it all on your own, it was an insurmountable task, you know, to, to enter something like politics. Um, and of course, back in, you know, the old days, they called it the old boys network, you know, because it was only boys that, you know, were exposed to that. But I don't see that so much anymore as just um, depending on what sphere you're in. I think most people, uh, women especially, and I'm making a sweeping generalization here, but I think I'm not far off. They're so overwhelmed by everything, all the aspects of what they have to do. And the idea of taking on one more task, which is pretty daunting, uh, i.e. elected office, I mean, I could see where a lot of women would go, you know what, maybe when the kids are grown, maybe, when, you know, but not now, I can't take on one more thing. Is that part of it? Absolutely. And especially the women that we want to run, that's the paradox of it all, are the women who are very busy, super involved in their own communities. Women who we say, oh, you would be the best candidate. They are never women that are sitting around just waiting for one more obligation, right? They don't have all this free time. They're already pretty masked because they are very, very involved in their communities and they already do so many of these things that we want our, I hate to say politicians, but at least our public officials, we want them to be deeply involved in their community. And this, this time push is definitely that's difficult for women. And, and it's even if they're just working professionals, if they're a working professional and a mom, or if they're just a stay-at-home mom, and if they're really any, any of these roles that women, that women hold, we feel such an obligation to do them and do them well. And it feels like, well, maybe if I run for office, one of these other things will suffer, but it really helps women to connect with other women who have done it to say, well, no, I, I have school-age kids too. This is how we work it out. Here's what's worked for us. And even in some cases, it's saying, well, how can I support you? Maybe maybe my kids are grown now, but I remember those days. What, what can I do? And so it's really about building this community. And as you said, a network where when you say, when the day, the day that I do run, I feel really, really supported by all of these people who I met through League of Our Own Washington that led me up to this point. Yeah. Um, one, I'm, you know, I'm trying to go over barriers that would have kept me from running that would still keep me from running and certainly money. I don't, I don't have, I mean, it takes a small fortune to run for office, even small ones now, um, even local offices. Goodness sakes, how do you organize that kind of fundraising? How do you make connections with people who have the kind of money to support you? It would seem to me that that in itself would be enough to tell people like, you know, I, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and every race is going to be different. We have several of our coaches are, they are fundraisers. They've done it professionally and they are signed on as a coach on a totally volunteer basis just to give advice on that front. But I think too, part of, part of that is preparedness and knowing what you're getting into. And so what we do is connect these women 
before the office even comes open to say, well, have you ever considered a legislative race? Well, what district are you in? Okay, well, what, what does a typical race in that district look like in terms of uh, maybe it's partisan split, but in terms of fundraising? So they go into it eyes wide open instead of maybe getting pushed and a little coerced into it saying, okay, I'm going to run, but now I'm here and, and I'm out of my league. I don't know where to begin. So our hope is that you would connect with people who are familiar with races like yours, even not geographically. Sometimes I'll try and pair people for a little meeting in terms of the size of their district. Someone running for school board in Walla Walla saying, well, I don't have anyone specifically with League of Our Own in Walla Walla, but I do know someone over in Pierce County who ran and won for a school district of similar size. And they got together and said, well, well how much did you raise? And what did you spend it on? And and where did you raise it from? And to get these tools before you jump in to know exactly um, what, what your race is going to look like. So you're not blindsided. So we've talked basically about time management and about money um, and connections. What other factors might prevent women from going, yes, I wanna do that. I wanna do that. Well, I think this cannot be overlooked. And I will say, cause I haven't said this yet. So League of Our Own Washington, we are recruiting and training and providing mentorship for women uh, specifically who share our philosoph philosophies, which are limited government, free markets and fiscal responsibility. And those are really broad terms because we are a broad organization, but those are our philosophies. And especially women who hold those philosophies are running at very, very, very low rates. And a part of that is fear. They're thinking, well, maybe, is this unpopular? Will the will my neighbors think think ill of me? Will I will this be held over my head? Or even if they're going to run for legislature, and depending on their district, they say, well, if I run under this certain partisan ID, is that going to affect me socially? Is it going to affect my kids at school? And so I think a part of this too is being afraid to voice our opinions and own them to think, well, they aren't going to be well received and just wanting to, it's a lot easier to stay under the radar and not run than it is to go ahead and run and do it. Another part of it, I think it's fear. Maybe it's public speaking or it's, it's a debate. I know many women think they live in fear of the debate setting. It's because it's very, very intimidating. So I think there's all these factors where you say, I have to be all these things as a public official, but that may or may not be true, but they don't feel supported in it. So I, I do think fear is a big barrier. I, I, the, the fact that you touched on, you know, it, it, there's a lot of discussion today about if you're not reciting the party line, then you're pretty much blackballed um, no matter where you, where you are. And that's unfortunate because I am from an era where you, we could argue politics and we could talk politics and we could share disagreements, if you will. Um, but today it, we seem to be in a climate that's very different from that. You, if you don't agree, if there are five people in the room and you don't agree with what three of them are saying, you better shut up. So it's really kind of a gutsy move to just stand up and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, vote for pineapples when everybody else in the room is saying kiwis mm -hmm. um you know that it, it's it's a very um a harsh environment um there doesn't seem to be an exchange of ideas there seems to be a repetition of ideas 
And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I think that that's, that's true for both sides of the aisle right now. And mm-hmm. that's a tough environment to try and have any kind of discourse. Um, so I can appreciate why people would be, especially if they're not just reciting you know, platitudes that they've been hearing all along, if their views are, are different, that would be very daunting for them. So how do you advise people who would like to run, but they're worried about that? Because especially in this day and age, let's be honest, I mean, it, if you stray too far from what the popular discourse is, then, you know, I mean, you could risk your job. You could risk, you know, um, I mean, it, it, it's a very harsh climate right now for any kind of exchange of ideas. So I would think that that just fosters more of the same rather than a diversity of opinion in public office. How are you dealing with that with the people who are running for, for offices and, or trying to run for office or planning to run for office? How do you prepare people for that? Yeah, there's a few different ways that we do that. Number one is pairing them with for a conversation with a woman who has been through something similar maybe it's a similar district or a similar race someone that has experienced that before the other thing that we've been doing that has really been successful is helping them with public speaking and communication skills to say okay let's let's look at this. And maybe they don't have a strong opinion on one thing or one way or another, but let's take a school board candidate. And they know that there's going to be a question, whether it's in an interview or whether it's in a debate about critical race theory. Well, she's never run for office. She certainly does not feel equipped to start breaking down all of the, these elements of critical race theory and these really big issues like racism in the school system, which she believes needs to be addressed, but she's terrified to talk about it as someone who is totally not a politician. So we say, well, let's get together. We can have a seminar with a skills coach who's a communications professional, or maybe someone who's a school board member and say, what's, well, you tell me what, what do you think of critical race theory? And let's talk through how to express your opinions and and just giving them some more tools for expressing themselves, because I have found these women, they know what their opinions are, and they are very smart, and they certainly don't need anyone to tell them what they believe, and that so much of it is just giving them tools to express themselves and communicate their ideas in a succinct way that can especially bridge partisan divides. I think that's really important in politics these days. Most normal people are running from the hills if you start talking politics, right? The loudest people are on the furthest side to the left or the right. And so many of these women are really somewhere in the middle. And that sounds terrible to them, having big political discussions, especially with their neighbors or others in their community. But I have found that really these communications seminars have been really helpful for them and just getting that confidence to express themselves and letting them know that you can't be everything to everyone. You have to be true to yourself and look at your district beforehand when you're running and ask yourself, are these opinions gonna be controversial here? They probably will be in a lot of cases. We can't all agree on 100% of things and prepare them for that to say, okay, you might be in the minority on this opinion, but get your opinion, firm it up, stick to it and be proud of it and know that there are people who still win in districts 
even when they don't align on every single thing with every person, that's a, the part of politics and just equipping them to face that confrontation a little bit more when the natural tendency is to shy away from it. And I think we've had an incredible amount of success doing that. Wonderful. Um, so when you're dealing with potential candidates, women who are, are potential candidates, um, are there, you know, I, I remember, you know, when I ran for, for um, school board and afterwards there was a pretty active political person who said, oh, I was so sorry you lost, you know, the color of your sign was all wrong. And I went, I didn't even care about the, I just wanted to know that it was visible, you know, things like that, um, you know, going to the things, I, you know, the, the candidates nights and everything. I never, I, you know, I mean, I just kind of assumed that I should dress like a business person or whatever, but I was often surprised that no, maybe I should have dressed more like just the mom that I was, you know, that kind of thing. So those picky uni little details, do you have education for women regarding those issues? Yeah, we have education on just about everything. And the reason for that, but especially those I call nuts and bolts or those little things that can hang up someone the first time they're running for office. We especially try to focus on those because we really don't want not being a political expert to be the reason that someone fabulous doesn't run for office. And so, as I mentioned before, so many of these women, they, they have their opinions and they are smart and they're well-spoken. And so we try and get them educated up on those campaign things that can generally that generally hold new candidates back so certainly we have um we've got training videos on best practices for canvassing and part of that is what to wear when you're gonna go knock doors saying okay well generally this is what a candidate should wear uh don't wear a business suit to a door things like that um that and it really gives them that confidence because they say okay i don't have to know everything and also they've already got these networks of women and our coaches and scouts who try and stay looped in with them, men and women who help them that they can always ask a question to. And I think that's one of the great things about it is we do provide training and mentorship, but also when these prospects are a part of our organization, they just know they've got a bit of a safety net that they have someone they can call. And that's really important for when they decide to file that paperwork and run they have confidence knowing they have someone's cell phone number that can help them when they do have these little questions or get hung up on things like you just mentioned. So how many women have you worked with uh, in your, your year of operations? So we have over 70 prospects involved so far. It's grown like crazy. I mean, we, we felt like we were onto something when we first launched in late 2020. We've done almost no out, outbound marketing. It's really just been word of mouth. We did a little launch on Zoom back in December 2020, and it's grown so big. I think it's a really strong indicator that we're filling a need, that there's a real appetite for it, and what I've been inspired by, which after 2020, I think politically a disheartening year. It was just starting to feel more and more polarizing. And then to have all of these women come forward to say, I believe in limited government and fiscal responsibility and free markets. And I still think I could potentially play a role in politics here in Washington state. And so I've been 
surprised and happy of how how rapidly it's grown and a lot of those women are deciding have already decided to run this year some next year some are three or five or ten years out from running but so we are we are over 70 women who are either currently running or uh possibly thinking about it in the future we try and have a low barrier to entry which is why i say possibly when you sign up with league of our own washington as a prospect it's not a promise that you're going to run for office. You don't have to sign an oath. You're just saying, I am open to learning more and to figuring out if running for office is for me. And so I talk to a lot of women who say, I don't know what, if I'll ever run, but I'd like to learn more. I'd like to go to some of these seminars and see if, if a campaign might work for me. And then when the opportunity does come up, Maybe there's an open school board seat or a city council seat in their area a few years from now, they feel prepared. So we've got over 70 prospects and then the, the rest of our groups adds up to a little over 200 members total with scouts and coaches and fans. Wow. Um, yeah, that is encouraging. So what's your youngest prospect and what's your oldest prospect? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I would say our youngest is 22. I don't, I don't know about all this. I'm going through all of these people, but you know, really, um, maybe 60. Oh, good, good. Yeah, we've got a really diverse group, which has been fun because some women who are straight out of college, they're not going to run for 10 years. Um, and then some are, are all maybe already holding office and thinking maybe with some more training and mentorship, I could prepare for a higher office. So that's been really fun to see that that diversity in our ranks. Yeah, I think, you know, having, you know, been through the history, I mean, I, I, I of, you know, different national campaigns where women were run up the flagpole and nobody would salute, you know, kind of thing. Um, and um, one time there was a prominent woman who became nominated for um, vice president, but she didn't get very far. And uh, I see a difference now when people talk about women, but I also get discouraged because it's almost like, oh, we want a woman. I, I would love to get to the point where we say, I want this, a person with this qualifications, these qualifications, regardless of their gender. But I don't think we're there yet, do you? You know, I, I don't know that I can speak to that specifically, but I do, I do know that there are so many capable women who really, they don't need the woman card, so to speak. And especially in my own life, personally, I am very slow to pull the woman card to say, oh, well, it's because I'm a woman that I can't do this or I can't do that. And I really don't see that in any of our prospects. But something that we do talk about is that there's a difference between men and women, and that's a reality. And women bring these unique things to the table. And so they're not, they are just as qualified. And oftentimes they bring this unique perspective. I know in my own house, we've got our little six-year-old son. My husband and I have different perspectives and different ways that we approach things when it comes to his schooling or his extracurriculars. So I do think when women get elected, it's on their merits, absolutely. And if these women that we have running this year, they have 
great credentials. And I think the best part about it is that they're just as qualified, plus they bring this unique perspective that women have on, especially close to home issues like education or childcare or paid family leave and these things that, um, that they feel this really, really personal connection to. And so I don't, I don't, can't speak to that, to the big picture, like you said, is our society there yet? But I do know that wonderful women frequently get elected. They, there's a great track record for success for women running for office. And so I think we're gonna see more and more of that in Washington state. I hope so, I hope so. Um, so again, I'm going back to why, why did you, how did you get your interest in politics? Was there, you know, I mean, you, you, you've told me a little bit, but I guess it, it just didn't satisfy me yet. So there must be a reason that you went here instead of running for office yourself. Yes, you know, I, as I said, ever since high school, I did get really interested in politics. I am from a state where a said vice, female vice presidential candidate um, was nominated. And so I think that's, that started part of it. It was interesting. I'm from Alaska um, and our, our governor was nominated as a vice presidential candidate, which was kind of, kind of interesting. I remember the chatter at school. And so um, not, not so much as a political person that I looked up to, but this really close to home, like, wow, this person who we would see re relatively frequently was starting to be on the national scale. Um, so that was definitely an attention getter. From there, I just dug in. I started doing some reading, went to college, um, met, my, met my husband there who was also majoring in political science and honestly just never got away from it. From my first campaign, it was like, this is fun stuff. This is great. And so it, that, it's just been really a calling for me, but especially in this niche that I'm able to be in right now with helping women, especially women who are like-minded, with me with limited government fiscal responsibility and free markets just being able to help them and connect them with people who are able to support them in their journey to run for public office has been really rewarding you know maybe i will run day i always i always have to laugh a little bit when i get that question because i get done uh, telling these women how they are absolutely qualified and they have to run and and they have people who will support them and they're saying okay okay and, and have you run or are you running? And I was like, well, we're talking about you, right? So I always have to laugh a little bit because I know I seem a bit guilty there. Um, but maybe one day, right? Maybe when my time is right, but okay, up until so that if point, you it's were been a joy. Run, if you were to run today, what level, what uh, federal, you know, local, what, what office would you run for if you, if you could just declare a candidacy today? You know what? Probably school board. Really? I have yes. Yeah, so my son just started kindergarten, and so I have a a student in the school, and I think that that's an important component uh, that perspective. So I would say if I were going to start, it would it would probably be school board because that's where I feel like is closest to home to home for me. I think a lot of the criticism that I hear about politicians today, and I share some of them, is that. Um, Nobody answers directly anymore. If you go back in history and you look at some of the responses that FDR gave, and but and and of course there were all these, you know, there's always been political dancing around. 
However, it seems like historically, you were more likely to get a direct answer with a little fluff attached. Today, it's like it's all fluff with if you're really lucky, maybe a little, you know, <laughs> a little uh, something that's an actual, you know, grain or a nugget of, of truthfulness and openness and, and honesty. Um, is that just my jaded old opinion or do you see that as well? <laughs> no, you know, I do hear that frequently. Um, I, I think we see it at all levels. I think a little less so when it comes to these candidates who are running for local offices with these hyper-localized issues that they, that they speak on. So maybe less so in that way. But I, I think there's a reality to that. I do hear that, that complaint a lot. And of course, every candidate's going to be going to be different, but certainly I think um, that, that we are helping our candidates to really, really form their, their thoughts and deliver them in a way that people, that means something to people, where people can get done hearing them speak, maybe it's at a candidate forum, or even on a mailer, when they get done hearing from this candidate, that they can say, okay, that's the person for me, or they're not. I, I mentioned it before, I think Sometimes we feel this pressure to be all things to all people, and you can't be that. You just have to be yourself, and if you're the best person to represent that district, of course, the hope is that that's going to come through. So that's what, that's what we preach to our prospects. Yeah, it's it's tough, though. I mean, this whole thing, I, and I know, you know, as a, as a member of the public, it makes me insane. Of course, I'm a little different because I do have a journalism degree, you know, and I've done that uh, news and everything, but I hear interviews now and I hear a question being asked of a political office holder and then I hear their answer and then the reporter just goes on or they cut the reporter off so they can't ask a follow-up question and I'm just sitting there seething going you did not answer the question you didn't answer that question and I know that I work with students practicing for their SATs you know, and because some some students are still taking them. Um, and um, a lot of the young people, you know, for example, they'll read the prompt and they think I, I'm thinking one student in particular who read the prompt and it was what who was your favorite teacher? And she said, or what was your favorite subject? What that was it? What was your favorite subject in school? And she just was stalling and stalling. And this is timed. You know, in two minutes, you have to know what you're going to say if you're going to get time after write the whole thing. And I'm going, why are you so hesitant? And she said, because I didn't have a favorite subject. And I went, well, just become a politician. You're asked about your favorite subject. What was your favorite? Who was your favorite teacher? Did you have a favorite teacher? Yes, I did. Okay, what subject did she teach? She taught political science. Okay, so your favorite subject was political science, and it was because of Miss So and So who taught the class because she was so wonderful. And then you go on and write the essay about Miss So and So. So you're answering the question you want to answer, not the question you're specifically asked. And it works in politics and it works on SATs, but it makes me insane. <laughs> I, and, and I always say when they make me queen of the world, I'm going to make sure that no politician can shut off the mic until the question is specifically answered. Um, so how do you tell your prospects how to deal with that kind of thing? Do you tell them that you have to be evasive like that in order to be successful? Or do you tell them it doesn't matter? You just need to answer your question you know, be, be Abraham Lincoln and just stand up there and answer the question uh, that's asked and, you know, let the chips fall where they may or what, why do you advise? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a really interesting question because 
I don't think we, there's no set formula, but of course there are best practices. Like you said, answer the question that, that you wish they asked you. There's something to be said for that, for sure. The main thing that we tell our prospects is know your main issues, be able to eloquently describe where you stand on them and say them frequently because it's hard to get a message through to people, especially with these local offices. But I think what's great about what we're doing here at League of Our Own is we aren't trying to breed political animals who are so, so smooth, but you never know what they stand for. It's really just real women who are running because they care and they want to express their opinion in a way that is, that's concise where people can really digest it and understand who they are. So the short answer would be, no, we don't tell them they have to do that. They, they're all, they all have their own opinions and they stick to them. And even if a woman is running in a district and maybe her opinion doesn't seem like it's on the same page as the district, I tell her, go for it. It's your race. I'm not telling you who to be. You know who you are. I'm just giving you some little, little pointers for a smoother interview. Um, we certainly talk to them about tough questions and and how to handle those. But I think every scenario is different. A candidate forum is going to look different than a media interview and things like that. So we really focus on the mechanics of messaging more so than being this perfect politician who is so, so smooth and polished that you never really know what they stand for. So, but every candidate's going to be different and that's no different for, for our prospects. They're going to handle the, each of those scenarios in their own way. Let's talk about uh, a league of our own. Uh, how, do you, how do you get support? Where's your, where does your funding come from? Yeah, so we have, we have a few different funding sources. Um, and so there is a, a, a nonprofit has given some to us. And then we have some individual donors. So I've had that actually at a 4th of July barbecue, which I was there totally socially. And I got a good sized donation from someone there who uh, was just excited about my new job and wanted to support it. So it has just been, been a handful of sources thus far. But of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say we have a donate button at leagueofourownwa.org. You have to have the WA on the end to get our organization. So leagueofourownwa.org. And I would love, always love to see a contribution come through. We run a lean machine. So it all goes to helping these women get prepared to run for office. How many paid staff do you have? one right now and we are hiring another plug you are <laughs> you're teeing me up for these we are hiring a training and engagement manager which you Ooh, can also I should see. apply I should apply I can <laughs> <laughs> train to always answer the question <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. so we have on the blog section of our of our website the most recent blog is a we're hiring for a training and engagement manager Okay. And will that and that will be a paid staff position as well? It will, yes. And you're a 501c3? We are a 501c4. Before, okay. All right. Um, okay. And all the accountants and, that are listening will know exactly the difference there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Little, there's just, I think there's just kind of like tiny little differences in what you can do um, with that, I think. Um, 
Okay, so any of your prospects going to be in the next election, up for running in the next election locally? Yes, actually, just under 30 of them wow. will be on the ballot in 2021. Yeah, just it's been incredible, really. I just, I have a big smile on my face just thinking thinking of it because I, these women are so phenomenal and there's so many of them. So yes, there are uh, several dozen all over the state of Washington, Spokane, Walla Walla, um, Camas, Edmonds, I mean, all over truly. So it's very geographically diverse as well. So yeah, we've got We've got quite a few on the ballot here next well, month. Well, with a more, and are they all running under one party? Are they running do they by the philosophy that you, um, uh, ha, they, they obviously agree with your philosophy on fiscal responsibility and all that stuff. Um, but are they running all on one party or are they running on several tickets or? Yeah, so these 2021 candidates, we do not have any partisan races here in, or in at least the races that our prospects are involved in. In 2021, they're all nonpartisan. Yes, they have all said that they are limited government, fiscally responsible and free market loving women, which, as I said before, those are broad terms. That's how we like it. And that's, what I think, another fun aspect is how different they are. They've subscribed to those principles, but they're still so diverse politically too. And on any on any one issue, we're probably gonna have five different women taking five different takes on it. So um, no, no partisan races this year, but all limited government, fiscally responsible and free market loving candidates. County, even our, our nonpartisan King County Council race has become amazingly, um, political. <laughs> yes, right. Not nonpartisan. Do not mistake it for non-political. And a lot of these women are just in incredibly tough races and handling it with poise and grace and doing a phenomenal job. And a lot of them are fighting an uphill battle. And I think they're going to have really good results in spite of that. I think the right person at the right time in the right district just can really make a big impact. I think we're going to see that this year. Okay. So I'm not interested in running for office, been there, done that, and you know, got the t-shirt. Um, but how could I help? What can I do if I'm not interested in running for office? What can I do? Yes. If you are not interested in running for office and you know that for a fact, because I always encourage women to take another another look at it because the, you might surprise yourself. We would love to have you on board as a scout. A scout is simply someone who is identifying potential prospects to join League of Our Own Washington. So generally our scouts are very social people because they meet a lot of people or the kind of person that is a talks, gets the life story from the grocery store checker, someone that has this way with people, that's a scout and always looking for someone who would be a good fit to join us as a prospect. A coach, that could be as a skills coach, maybe you're a public speaking expert, or you have done some nonprofit or political fundraising. Uh, maybe you are a policy expert on something that you could give someone a crash course in as they're getting prepared to run for office. Or 
Maybe you are a current public office holder or you used to hold public office and you would be a good mentor. And in those, case, in those cases, you're just saying that you're gonna give a little time. We try to make not, we try to make it so it's not overburdensome because great people are always busy. So there's always an option to help these prospects as a coach. And if none of those sound like you, then as a fan, our fans are, uh, they like and share and follow our social media. They may be a donor, they attend events, they get looped in with prospects in their area and try and support them in other ways. Um, maybe it's someone's running for office and it's dropping them off a meal, something like that, because they haven't been cooking for their family in weeks because they're doorbelling every night. So fans can do this really wide array of things to help our prospects, but it's a a scout, a coach, or a fan. And if you go to our website, leagueofourownwa.org, at the bottom, there is a sign-up area and a drop-down menu where you just pick one of those things and that'll ping you into our system. And then you will get a call from me. So I wanted to talk to you in more detail about getting you looped in with us. And if I happen to know a woman that I think would be a particularly effective candidate, do I talk to her and tell her to contact you or do I just contact you and slip your, you slip you her name and number or how do we do that? Yes, any of those things. She can go online and sign up as a prospect. You can send me an email, which my email address is also on the website, caitlin at leagueofourownwa.org. You can, you can text me, call me, carrier pigeon. I always tell people, especially our scouts who are very, very busy people, I say, I don't care how you loop me in with talented, amazing women who would make great candidates. I don't care how you loop me in with them. Just make sure you're looping me in with them. So it can be really any of those ways. If you even give me a name, I will find a way to track her down and talk to her about League of Our Own Washington. What about alumni of your program? So people who have um, who have been through our training, is that way? Yes. Yes. How do you so, them in the fold? How do you incorporate them? How do you how do you keep them in the loop and what contribution do they make? Yes. Well, that's it's a alumni will be in the future because we've only been here for a year. I am counting our people who are running this year will will be our alumni. And so what's fun is a lot of these women we've already talked about when she runs and wins and even if she doesn't how she wants to become a coach and how she wants to share her experience and um and maybe it was time management we're already planning that seminar for early next year to do a time management and how to balance being being a mom and running for office at the same time and so the alumni we don't have any yet because i think we've got to get through a full cycle here to really have those but certainly it's keeping them looped in as as coaches and where it it's uh it, it will become a cycle that they start as a prospect and they say i can't imagine what that would have been been like to do that without partnering with league of our own washington and then they will stay involved and pay it forward we've already been uh getting to have some of those conversations as we daydream about the future and when they're post-election which i know lots of our Prospects are daydreaming about when they are post-election because it has been a tough campaign season. So that's definitely well, part of our plan. The, the toughest area in, you know, Western Washington is pretty, 
you know, there's not a lot of bipartisan activity. It's pretty much a one company town, if you will, um, for, for politics. Now, when you spread out to the rest of the state, then you start getting some variety. Um, do you have, have any interest or thoughts about the whole redistricting thing? Because as far as I'm aware, they, they have until, what is it, November 15th, and if those four, the two Democrats and the two Republicans who've come up with their four plans for redistricting, um, if they can't reach a court, then it goes to the state Supreme Court and the judge will decide our districting. Um, how would that impact, um, or do you have any feelings about that as far as women, I mean, usually when we look at districting patterns, we look at, you know, two parties you know, and try to balance that out or not, you know, depending on what you're looking at, um, yeah. but not from the standpoint of uh, women candidates. Do you have any feelings about that whole redistricting thing? And then, and are you talking to your candidates about, about the whole redistricting thing that's this year? I think redistricting will be interesting. See, those, those maps that were released were all pretty different, you know, so I don't, I don't think we're just a small tweak away from total agreement on redistricting, but I'm honestly at League of Our Own Washington, we're just waiting patiently to see the map because I've already got women who are part of our over 70 women who are saying, okay, maybe I'll run in the future. And I'm thinking of legislative districts that they could be a really good fit for. And so for our purposes, we're just waiting patiently to see the map so we can start figuring out which one of our prospects are where and they can get their paperwork filed and jump in to run for office. So that's, that's our main thought on it is just wishing we had those maps so we could start uh, laying some groundwork and getting those women mentally prepared for when they file for office. Well, this is exciting. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 always exciting uh, when something new starts. That's already uh, pretty. I mean, I would say you got seventy people who are going through your training. I mean, in in your your first year, there's it sounds like there's a real need for this. So, you know, I, I encourage uh, all women if they want to get in touch with you and learn more about your program. What do they do? Where do they go? The best way to get in touch with us is to sign up online at leagueofourownwa.org. And even if you aren't sure which of those roles you want to sign up for, just pick one because either way you're going to hear from me and we'll talk in more detail about that, what that looks like to play that role in our organization. Make sure it's a fit that you're comfortable with and we'll go from there. So definitely the best way to get in touch is just to sign up online and I want to repeat, though prospects are limited to women, coaches and fans and scouts are not. That is men and women. It's anyone who has a heart for our mission of recruiting and training women who believe in limited government fiscal responsibility and free markets to run for office. There really is a place for everyone here at League of Our Own Washington. So I would just welcome anyone signing up and getting involved with us because it's going to make a big impact. Thank you. Caitlin Vinternan. Am I saying it wrong? I'm always butchering names. I'm sorry. Vinterton. Vinterton. Okay. I so say I didn't put my little accent mark in my notes. Executive Director of um, A League of Our Own, WA.org. It's been very educational. I've enjoyed talking with you. It's nice to talk politics without necessarily arguing over ideology. So I wish you very, very great success. And I can't wait to see 170 women next year. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. The pleasure was all mine. And I think we all need to be aware as women and living in this world that uh, we all participate in politics in one form or another, even if we just go on about our daily business. And it behooves us to pay attention to who's running to elected office. So thank you for what you do. And thank you for listening to Three Women, Three Ways.